This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. for a little bit more pro wrestling punditry this week because we got it coming into your ear holes. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Houseman, back to host the latest episode of The Winkley. And as, uh, as I am every Thursday, I am joined by my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkley. We're counting down. We're starting to be able to count hours, not days, until the wrestling world changes. Yeah, that's right. On the, on, the, on the edge of my seat physically right now. Yeah, next week is going to be a big historic week for pro wrestling. So we are going to get in all the news we can here today to get you ready for it. And not only are we going to talk the news of the last 24 hours, I'm very proud of the two interviews that we've got to uh, come up after the news block here. Of course, right after the news, you're going to hear my interview. It's about a half hour long with the father of The Rock, multi-time NWA champion and the author of the new book, Soul Man, The Rocky Johnson Story. It's Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson's on the show today. That's incredible, Justin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and uh, his book, by the way, Soul Man, the Rocky Johnson story, that's going to be on sale October 15th online in stores. Go buy yourself a copy. I had, I got an advanced copy. I read it. I read another book. I'm reading books pretty regularly now. This one's really good. Uh, and then right after Rocky Johnson, you're going to hear our good friend Scott Fishman back with another interview with another NXT superstar, actually superstars, as Scott Fishman caught up with the Street Profits, again at the Arnold Palmer uh, hospital for Children down in Orlando. So uh, can't wait to bring you guys both Rocky Johnson and the Street Profits here today. And uh, just before uh, we get to the news as well, I want to remind you, tomorrow night, Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. We will have coverage of that on the site. So if you're looking for Friday night wrestling entertainment, you can go over to Access TV or you can go over to Wrestling Inc. You can catch the ROH Death Before Dishonor uh, coverage. All right, with that, let's get to it. News you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. Justin, this one broke. It bruised the news waves moments before we were uh, set to record here. WWE Premier Week has officially been announced. It will feature eight hours of primetime coverage next week with Raw, NXT, Total Divas, and SmackDown's Fox Premiere. 
WWE has confirmed that the new Raw announced team, so here it is, guys, the big reveal. Who are these announced teams going to be? Raw's announced team is going to feature Vic Joseph, Dio Madden, and Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. NXT, they're going to keep Moro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness, and WWE Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix, while SmackDown will now feature Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Renee Young. Uh, in an update on next week's NXT episode on USA, WWE has also announced that Shane Thorne is going to take on Johnny Gargano, plus a new Velveteen Dream Experience segment. So, uh, I mean, of course, the big news here, the announced teams, I was really looking forward to some two-man, two-person booths. Doesn't look like we're going to get that. They're going to keep the three-person route for all three shows. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not a fan of three-person, as we talked about, but they're going to stick with it. Um, obviously, first and foremost, congrats to my to my dude, Vic. Uh, it's great for him, you know. Seems like just yesterday or nine or ten years ago, we we're at Pro Wrestling Ohio, and he's giving me a scar on my head the night before I'm going to propose to my now wife. So it's forever in the pictures, and here he is calling, you know, the staple. Well, we all grew up watching, so I'm thrilled for him. Great guy, uh, Jerry Lawler on the announce team with him. Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, sure. King's legendary on Monday Night Raw, but you know, I only want him on Raw basically if if they will allow him to be Jerry Lawler. Yeah, you know, um, in you know, I, I don't. You know, I mean, and all the three-person teams, you know, Corey Graves has been that, for the most part, Nigel is it on NXT. They have that one person who's just like that, who is the, the clear-cut heel, who's on the heel side. Uh, Lawler did great with that back in the day, and then he kind of became so lovable that he, that you know, it softened up and he was the babyface on the commentary team. So I'll be very interested to see how the dynamic uh, of, of those three work, uh, but I wish him best of luck. Uh, didn't expect a shakeup on NXT, given they just, uh, just started on USA. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Obviously, giving USA the most familiar voices and names, and 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 Cole, Corey, and Renee. I'll be interested. Does Renee stay on that team once November comes, when she starts hosting that studio show? Now the studio show is on a different. I think it's on Tuesday, so it's obviously she could do both. But I'll be curious if that if that happens. And and then the other question, you know, where is Tom Phillips? Yeah, where is Tom Phillips? What happened to Tom? Just drift away. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I uh, yeah, it's Fox got the, the loaded announcing card here. Because, yeah, if I'm if I'm Fox and USA and I'm looking at this, Fox, I'm like, okay, cool. I know all three of these were real high on Renee. This works out well. If I'm over in USA, I mean, I would trust, of course, you know, the, the people at WWE to pick the people to call the action. But I don't know who Vic Joseph is. I mean, realistically, he's been on 205 Live. Dio Madden? I don't know him. I would know Brendan Williams, Houston Texans Brendan Williams. But I don't know who Dio Madden is. Not familiar. Uh, well, it's a ch- I mean, I, I mean, it's a chance to enter. I mean, look, they don't, they don't, that, and that's the thing. They can afford to put the names you are not familiar with on USA because they have a trust and a history of USA. And and Vic has, you know, he he's had a, a few small appearances on USA, but you know, they need to put these. They they need they can't put the new names on Fox. Fox is going to want what they know is proven commodities on the, sure. you know, Michael Cole, who's obviously the senior most uh, team. You know what, what we don't know, we'll, we'll find out. I guess when we tune in, you know, Vic was the play-by-play guy for NXT UK and for 205 Live, I don't I mean, I don't know, but I don't know if they're going to, I don't think they're going to ask him to do, to do that in addition to no. Manning Monday Night Raw. So does Tom Phillips end up going to NXT UK and 205 Live or do they have somebody else in the mind? So uh, a lot to, a lot to watch to see how it unfolds. And, you know, I joked about it before we got on the air and uh, Jerry Lawler always been very cool to me, done shows with Jerry, but uh, Jerry is not like an avid wrestling viewer anymore that's not a secret right and so i'm really genuinely wondering how jerry's gonna do in this role this time around if he's gonna be watching the product more engaged anymore um it'd be very jerry's the one to watch in this all for me honestly you know so yeah um let's move over to nxt 
Uh, NXT's second show was out last night. First of all, do you think the rating will be better or worse than the first week? Um, I thought it was a very enjoyable show, as I talked about last night with Matt and Glenn. I do think the number is going to be slower than what it was. I, I think you know they, they did like what one point one million for that for that for the debut last week. I do think it's going to be slightly lower just because there was all the hype going in because it's the first one on USA, and this is kind of like that that just in-between week before you get to the magical one of, of next week when all hell breaks loose. So I kind of think it will slightly be down. Yeah, well, uh, it was a good show. Matt Riddle, Killian Dane, they uh, closed out the first hour with Matt Riddle uh, beating Killian Dane. These guys worked really well together. Uh, Killian Dane really coming into his own right now. I'm enjoying that. But uh, after the match, uh, Adam Cole came out, confronted Matt Riddle. I missed – this was the only portion of it that I missed a little bit of as I was going from TV over to the WWE Network over on my smart TV – but I guess there was a confrontation here. And next week uh, on NXT's 10-2 uh, episode, we're going to get Adam Cole, Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle. Um, and I know the Street Profits, they got a tag match too. I don't know if Roderick Strong is going to put his title on the line. Um, but uh, I don't know. What do you think? The Undisputed Era, do they keep all the gold? Or we see some new champions here next week? I think it's very possible we see Matt Riddle. Uh, as a new champion, I think, you know, they're, they're going to want to make a big splash. Uh, having you know, had, had a competition, they're doing limited commercial interruption as they kept touting. Yep. So they're trying to keep, you know, keep fans from, from flicking over. I think it's very possible we see a Matt Riddle. Uh, I mean, imagine that. Matt Riddle is your world champion for NXT. Chris Jericho is your world champion for AEW. Uh, Jericho and Riddle, uh, the feud continues of who's the king of Wednesday nights. I did. There were a little, there were, t- there were tiny... Hints at uh, AEW on the show. Of course, there was the mystery tag team to come out with Kushida. That's what Jericho's doing in their week one. We got Brazango. Big pop. Everybody loves Brazango. But there was also a real little uh, on commentary uh, when Riddle like threw a chair at Killian Dane. More Ronaldo said he's the chairman of the board, which is Ty Dillinger's gimmick in, in AEW right now. No, don't know if you caught that or not. I did not catch it. Well, there you go. Um, we're also going to get next week on 10-2, Shayna Baszler defending her NXT Women's Championship against Candice LeRae. So pretty pretty jacked card here for next week. You know, AEW's got, I think, five matches announced here. Um, we know, uh, of course, I can, I'll, I'll jump to some AEW news here right now. Uh, we know Adam Page and Pac, they're going to be facing off here on AEW Dynamite. Cody and Sammy Guevara, they're going to kick off. That's going to be the first bout of the show. Uh, where's your pulse? Which of these two programs has your attention more going into week one here, NXT or AEW? Well, I mean, NXT does from the, you know, because there's there's more story, you know, because yeah, NXT has been a weekly show and been a thing for, you know, for obviously years now. So I'm like, I'm more invested, obviously, you know, in, in the stories and that what's moving with NXT because AEW starting um, not completely from ground zero, but 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 pretty close. So, but 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 that said, as far as interested in the stories I am for NXT, um, AEW is such a mystery. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what uh, how it's going to feel and sound. So there, of course, is that intrigue. Uh, and, and and like I said, you know, I'll be doing the, the viewing party here in Pittsburgh. We will have the sound on for AEW because it is the first one. Um, you know, we'll have the sound on AEW, but but NXT will be on TVs as well. So it's kind of, I'm kind of tossed, but storyline wise, more interested in NXT. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. You get the two week heads up there. To get some momentum going, get some stories going, get a little build going. It's going to be very interesting next Wednesday. Tail the tape, uh, which they did on NXT. They did the tail the tape for uh, Keith Lee and uh, Dominic Dijakovic. I think I got his last name correctly there. Um, which yeah, I, that was a great, great match, too. A great, great way to start. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, the tail of the tape thing, I think we're going to see a lot of that type stuff over on AEW. I wondered if that was an NXT trying to get one up on them and, and do that before the more sports-based 
AEW launches head to head, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um well, uh we got some other news that broke just this morning um before we came on the air. PWinsider.com reporting former WWE Intercontinental Tag Team Champion John Hennigan, aka John Morrison, aka Johnny Impact has signed a deal to return to WWE. Um John has been doing great over the past couple of years. He's been on Survivor. Uh, had a great run in Impact. He's kind of changed up his character a little bit. He's tested out being a heel. I think that's been a fun coat of paint for him to try out. Uh, new coat of paint. So, yeah, what do you do with John Morrison here when you bring it back? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I don't want to default. We just say everybody goes to NXT. That, that, that's a great worker. Um, you know, I don't think that's the way we should do this. I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Be, I mean, obviously, he will. He, he's probably more valuable, actually, to Raw or SmackDown to infuse some life in the mid cards there. Um, again, you know, he. I mean, John is. Uh, you know, he is one. If you're going to a new audience with Fox, again, we go back to the sport audience. I mean, he is somebody you you let any you let any sports fan who appreciates athleticism uh, watch John Morrison. You know, and, and and he's pretty. You know, I mean, he's pretty. You know, it's pretty astonishing to watch. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll be curious what gimmick. I mean, he's. You know, he's. You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the the running joke of of his of his careers is you know Johnny Impact, Johnny Johnny Nitro, John Morrison. You know, like what 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 will will he be the the red carpet Eminem uh, John Morrison that we last remember in WWE, or or will he take one of these other kind of a you know incarnations that he's had and, and and put a new spin on himself in WWE. I see him on SmackDown. Uh I always like kind of fondly remember him more on SmackDown than I guess on Raw. Um also if you think about it before he was John Morrison before he was Johnny Impact, he was Johnny Nitro. Correct? That's how he debuted. I said Johnny Nitro, yeah. Yeah, he debuted in WWE. Johnny, Johnny Nitro dubbed by Eric Bischoff in SmackDown. Of course, Eric Bischoff's show. You see, you, you put all the pieces together for me. I didn't even need to finish my sentence. You knew exactly where oh, I was going sorry. with that. No, that's fine. <laughs> You're right, though. I was just trying to tie it all together. I was trying to make ends meet there. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I think SmackDown, I think there'd be in the mid-card title picture. Uh, be great in the Intercontinental title picture. I don't know, you know, the main event uh, world title run would be exactly where I would go. Out of the gate, but I think I think he'd was do it, really well in the mid card. Wasn't more didn't didn't John also used to do something with the Miz back in the day? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, of course he did. So that would I mean that would kind of you know the I mean the Miz is even more quote unquote Hollywood. He's got a reality show and everything. That would be there would be an interesting tie in of of them. I don't know if I want him on the same side or opposing each other, but that's just another thought. Well, that would keep him uh, that put him on Raw then. So because I think Miz Miz with Miz and Miz being on USA, I can't see him leaving Raw. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah so. Anyway, uh, but I definitely think something to spice up, you know, the mid-card to him and, you know, the U.S. title picture right now. I could see him in there with A.J. and Cedric Alexander. Um, so, yeah, that's where, that's where my, my brain naturally gravitates towards. Um, uh, other big news about SmackDown's Fox debut next Friday night. Steve Austin has been announced for the show. And on his podcast, he announced and he teased that he could wrestle one more match. The way that this read, and I haven't listened to the audio back, but the way this read, it sure sounds like Steve Austin has the itch right now to, to go one more time. Yeah, I haven't heard the audio either, uh, and this this caught my attention in, in a big way because you know Stone. If I had to pick a number one, Stone Cold is number one for me. Um, yeah, I only read the transcript, so yeah, I could I can't hear like you know I, I well, I've read the context, but I can't hear like in his voice how he's. You know, but yeah, it reads like yeah, he's been hanging out with WWE more and more. Make he's made it had a couple of raw appearances, and he's so he's around the around the locker room more, and guys complimenting how well he looks, and he does look. He's in great shape for being fifty or whatever he is, and uh, 
and they keep asking, oh, you got another one, you know, maybe probably in a joking matter, but it, yeah, I mean, you, you, when you, when you hear that and, and we're in this day and age where WWE is literally grabbing everything they can. And we, we, we saw Shawn Michaels come out of retirement, you know, in Saudi Arabia last year. And we, you know, I, and they got Goldberg back for matches. And obviously Kurt Angle had a, had a run that, that's, that ended at WrestleMania. I mean, money's no shortage and not that Steve needs money, but I mean, if the itch is there and he's healthy enough to do one, do it and collect the money while you can do it and collect that money. <laughs> you know, as soon as I as soon as I heard this, I thought about SmackDown. You know, who else will be there? Of course, it's teased or rumored that The Rock could show up and maybe promote his Jungle Cruise movie. Can you imagine a moment, a stare down there between those two, teasing going at it one more time? Well, yeah, I mean, it'll be a great moment of the tease. I mean, I think you know, I, I think we've all just had to come to accept we're not going to see The Rock in the ring again until he decides to take a break from movies which that doesn't seem to happen anytime I, soon I, I feel like it's um, gonna be hard to tell the rock he can't do things i feel like if he's like no i'm gonna wrestle snow gold steve austin at wrestlemania no but dude when he's even said and he's absolutely right when he's in the middle of, if he has any project going on and if something happens and when and things have happened he got hurt at a wrestlemania years ago and that did he had to it altered the the promotional schedule he's supposed to do for whatever movie at that time you know and he said it it's it's irresponsible of him because if, if something happens and it's wrestling things happen um, you get nicked up. If something happens, not only does that, not only is it just you know his filming days, but now you're affecting crew members, you're affecting you're affecting a lot of people. A trickle down effect, uh, people that aren't making as much money as he is. So as long as he's got, as long as he's tied to these big budget studio films, you know they, they you know legally he's just not going to be able to to do it. It's one thing to come back and rock bottom somebody, but it, you know to do a match or anything. But that's a great. But but back to the original point here, who would you want to see Steve Austin realistically have a match? If you got one, if you can pull one. Who, who is it? I mean, well, of course, Kevin Owens comes to mind because, right, he's basically doing the Steve Austin thing right now. But I'd want a heel. I'd want like a real good heel. And when I, th- I don't know, Corbin is that bad? Well, Corbin certainly heel. I mean, um, I guess it's a matter of do you want somebody? Do you want to try to make somebody, or do you just want to give people a dream match? Like you know, dream match just because because one transcends the other one i mean obviously a john cena versus stone cold you don't need to do anything it'll just be magical just to see the two mm. in the ring because they're you know john's winding his career down it seems and this but you think would be steve's last one you know currently i would love a heel daniel bryan who's fickle and hates the middle fingers and the beer swag you know i i mean there's a great opposition to there um you know corbin's there uh what about orton yeah. what about orton Orton's white hot right now as a as a heel. I I could that's one we never got to see. Yeah, I mean Orton came in just right when Steve was was, was just right when Steve finished up. So sure. that's one. Uh, kind of gives you a little bit of a of a grudge, but dream match there. Um, I yeah, mean, I mean the Owens thing. Yeah, but, you, yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That really doesn't. I mean, you could doesn't excite me. You could do Steve Austin Brock, but would you get a match that lives no, up? No, to, to no, that? you're not. You're not doing Steve Austin Brock because that's that is that's with. That, and and that's the one thing, you know, talk about the, the, the injuries that Steve has sustained. And even when he was still full-time active, after he got dropped on his head by Owen in 97, there were just certain moves and certain backdrops he just wouldn't do and wouldn't take. Uh, I don't think you're going to put him in a situation where you tell Brock, Brock, you can't do Suplex City. I mean, that that's that's part of Brock's attraction. So I don't think you um, – no, that's that's not as, – as, as dream match as that is because it's a match that <clears throat> was supposed to happen that didn't, uh, I don't think that that's – you can't ask a 50 – 
yeah, not not in twenty. No. Is this it, is this the guy? Is this the big win? Would you give to a guy like Drew McIntyre? Then I'm sorry, I don't want to speculate every day and run down the whole roster or anything. But as I'm thinking, but no, it's fun. It's fun. Steve Stone Cold's gave us the opening. Here. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like you know, Steve Austin, Drew McIntyre. You know that we I've talked at length about how I feel like Drew has always just been like that one big win away from like kicking off a run where he could really live up to the potential everybody seems to think that he has. Um, a win over a guy like Steve Austin there in a meaningful bout, you could you could turn that into momentum, I would think. Yeah, I would think that would certainly that would certainly cement Drew McIntyre as uh, I mean, you know, he that would be a big shoes then for him to career to fill to be the guy that retired Stone Cold. But you know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 fascinating to think again, and it's it's so possible in this day and age that you know that the, the two parties do business together. Again, money's no shortage. WWE has, you know, annually two shows that seem to Saudi where they have to pull out a big spectacle. Uh, I mean, God, Undertaker versus Austin. I mean, you know, two guys under, that would I have fun. Under, and, and they, I thought Undertaker be, Austin too, but I wonder if Undertaker would want to go back to that well where he's like, we've tried this a couple times. My best matches usually seem to be with somebody who can go a little bit quicker, you know? So Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, fun, fun food for thought. AJ not, and then, and then, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, he Stone Cold says that, you know, he's, 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 you know, he says that. And then he all of a sudden he's being announced for Fox. I mean, for SmackDown, it's just, it's just a lot of possibilities. Steve Austin, AJ Styles. I'll stop. I'll stop. But these are all good ideas. These are all great. Uh, I really brought up AJ because it was announced by WWE that AJ is going to defend his U.S. title once more against Cedric Alexander for the Raw season premiere. Man, for a guy that is getting buried by Vince McMahon. Cedric Alexander sure seems to be getting a lot of opportunity. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. yeah. The, is, this, is this where he finally takes it? Or is this... I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's where he finally takes it, but you're right. I mean, it's just great that he's getting opportunities. Yeah. Uh, WWE NXT UK. It's going to be moving to Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the network. Don't know why, but that's a thing. And now you know. Uh, it was also confirmed uh, via press release uh, that Tuesdays will feature FS1's WWE Backstage. Now, this is the television-only studio show devoted to all things WWE that's been rumored here for a while now. Uh, the hour-long show is going to be on FS1 every Tuesday at 11 p.m. Eastern starting November 5th. Renee Young will be the host of the show, while Booker T will be providing analysis. According to Fox Sports, there will be a special preview show on Tuesday, October 15th, following the conclusion of Game 3 on Major League Baseball's ALC on FS1. Young and Booker T will be revealing the WWE backstage set. And as of now, it is unknown if Renee will be... Well, I mean, now we know, actually, because this has been updated. We know Renee will be on SmackDown as well. So SmackDown and uh, and FS1 here. This all is about what we thought it was going to be. Um, I'm, I think it'll be good. Good. I don't know. I've, been, I've wanted a show like this for a while. Just a WWE studio show talking about the business. Booker T's great at this. He treats it like a real sport. I dig it, you know. Oh, shucky ducky quack quack. I'm a fan. Uh, WWE. Also, it was we were talking uh, earlier this week about how WWE recently trademarked the bump, which people thought maybe that could be the name for the studio show. It's not. They picked the better name, WWE Backstage. Uh, but whatever this the bump is, they've created a Twitter profile at WWE the Bump, and it retweeted a video yesterday. Now the video or WWE retweeted a video from this account yesterday. Now the video from at WWE the Bump says uh, it is from TV host Evan Mack's recent audition with the company back on August 21st in Stamford. The video starts out with a message that says, for internal use only. Now, before I get to the rest of this, Justin, if you actually watch this video, do you know what I'm talking about? 
I know what you're talking about, but I didn't actually see the video. Okay, I watched the video, and it does. It seems like uh, loosely edited, kind of some B-roll thrown in of this this guy, Mac. He's auditioning to be an on-camera talent for WWE. Uh, he's a TV host from uh, Carlisle, PA. He was born on an Air Force base. I don't know why I wrote this stuff down. Born on an Air Force base in California <laughs> on June 9th, 1984. He's a graduate. <laughs> He's a graduate from Full Sail. This is from our article, by the way. That's the detail you get. We, you don't know who this guy is. We're going to tell you his background. We're going to tell you where he went to school. I'll give you his birth date. I'll tell you about his childhood. He was born on an Air Force base. Probably means he moved around a whole bunch. Uh, he has a degree in sports casting, uh, which he got in November of this year. Uh, his LinkedIn account. Notes that he this was is unnecessary. No, I had to take, dude. The detail of this post, I had to reward on the show here today. This man's LinkedIn account notes that he was hired to work as a WWE PA in LA back in June. It also noted that he was hired as an on-air personality in September, uh, working at at Stanford. So this month, so this audition obviously was good enough to get him hired. This felt like one of those things that was that looks like it wasn't supposed to be out there. To the best of my knowledge, it's still up right now. I think it's to create some kind of weird viral in- energy around whatever this bump show is going to be hosted by uh, Evan Mack, born June 9th, 1984. <laughs> uh, I, I got nothing. I mean, kind of, I got nothing. The detail, people. I loved that. Um, also, lastly, here from WWE, they have launched a Twitter tournament to decide the greatest SmackDown superstar of all time. I'm not going to read you everybody. It's a, it's a lot of people. But for you, Justin, when you think SmackDown, who do you think of? Tag teams? No, just in general. Who's the greatest SmackDown superstar of all time? Well, I mean, The, the Rock. Right. <laughs> I, just, I thought the same thing. Why are we even having this? We all know who it is. It's The Rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean... The, the Rock, because obviously the origin and the start, I mean, I, I do have a, <clears throat> I mean, obviously there's a part of me that does, you know, I do, th- I do associate SmackDown with, um, you know, I, I can go by the eras. Obviously there was a point in time where, where SmackDown was defined by The Undertaker. The Undertaker carried SmackDown for um, a segment of years. Um, you know, I mean, uh, JBL had a, had a, you know, a run where it was the kind of, I don't know, but yeah, The Rock, if we're talking about the greatest ever, The Rock. Agreed. Uh, all right, and lastly here, we got two uh, AEW news items. First of all, AEW and TNT revealed their new partnership with DC Comics yesterday. Uh, Moxley and AEW world champion Jericho are featured in the first two images released from the collaboration. They're really cool looking. I, I was looking at them this morning. The comics are being drawn by Justice League and the Flash artist Howard Porter. Warner Media is the parent company of DC Comics. Now, AEW and Warner Media first joined forces earlier this year when they announced the TNT deal, uh, which has led to next Wednesday's AEW Dynamite premiere. Now, Cody first teased the partnership with DC uh, this past weekend when he celebrated Batman Day by tweeting that Batman is all elite. I guess that means that AEW joining the DC Comics universe. Uh, this is just really cool. Um, I don't know. I'm not like, I, I'm not I like uh, yeah, just really cool. I like Jericho's. Um, I'm looking at him right now. My, Moxley's face and his, he looks like Carl from Sling Blade. Yeah, he looks scary. He look he looks kind of like a, a the crocodile villain in in, in Batman. I thought. <laughs> mm, taters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I uh, just thought that was a cool thing and a good use of Warner uh, Warner Media and the umbrella of things they've got available to them. So nicely done. Thought this was cool. Uh, also, AEW announced their UK distribution yesterday. So for fans in the UK that were going to be wondering how are you going to be able to watch AEW Dynamite, here's how it's going to go down. AEW is going to begin airing 
on ITV on Sunday, October 6th at 8.20 a.m. with the full two-hour premiere, which airs here in the U.S. on Wednesday, October 2nd at 8 p.m. There will also be a one-hour Dynamite highlight show on Monday, October 7th at 11.45 p.m. ITV will also carry AEW pay-per-views beginning with full gear on Saturday, November 9th. Now, that, of course, means that the shows will be airing on a delay. Uh, so the live option, if you want to watch AEW Dynamite Live, Fight TV announced their new AEW Plus global subscription feature. The new service will offer a live and replay access to the weekly AEW Dynamite series, plus an a la carte option. It will be available to fans in several countries outside the U.S. and Canada, including U.K., Australia, Japan, Ireland, Italy, Spain, the Middle East, Chile, and Brazil. Um, mm. Tony, Tony Khan commented, Fight answered our call and the call of AEW fans. Anyway, this, uh, he's very happy about it. So that's the whole thing. Uh, they do have uh, they have TV in the UK, ITV, but on a delay. Um, this new feature, this AEW Plus, it's four ninety nine a month, or you can buy each episode a la carte for two ninety nine. What do you think of this? Uh, what do you think of this rollout? It's great. I mean, you know, to be a major player, you got to have uh, you know, you got to think beyond the US and Canada. You got to have international distribution and. Uh, yeah, I mean, so this is this is just again par for the AEW course so far of of of, of their making sure that they are as I mean they have, they have a streaming platform with with BR Live and obviously they're on major television here in, in the states and they have major money behind them you know I mean this is I, I wouldn't I would I I wouldn't have expected anything less I guess is what I get at. My guest at this time is a WWE Hall of Famer, multi-time NWA champion, his autobiography Soul Man. The Rocky Johnson story will be available for purchase starting October 15th, 2019. It is Soul Man Rocky Johnson. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Rocky. You know what? It's a pleasure. I'm really going to enjoy this. It's, been yeah. a, it's a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like I told you just before we got uh, on the interview here, I finished your book this morning. Highly recommend it to all wrestling. I just I recommend it to people. You have an incredible story, Rocky. And I got to ask, how did you get The Rock to write the foreword for your book? I just talked to him and we sat down and talked and I said, just put it the way you want to put it, you know, <laughs> yeah. just write it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to say and what not to say. And he did it, man. I was just kidding with you. Of course, that's your son, right? It was really nice. Yeah, right. Yeah. Have you had I a chance? You, yeah. you, uh, you had a chance to read the foreword? What did you think of what he wrote? I thought it was great. I think he wrote it from the heart. Wonderful. Uh, well, one of the things that you start off with really quickly and becomes like a running thread throughout your whole book is like insane ribs uh, that you and your generation would pull on each other. Why Why were ribs back in your day so much crazier, I feel like, than anything I ever hear about now? Well, you could get away with it. Like they would nail your shoes to the floor, uh, <laughs> put honey in your shoes, show your pant legs together, change the lock on your locker and stuff like that. Then it got, then it got too far out of shape, and uh, that's when Vince, that's when Vince Senior put a stop to it. I, I mean, I've had him put itching powder in my trunks, where I had to leave the ring and go hit the shower right away, and they they thought it was a big joke. But then when Vince Senior, uh, Junior, or Senior did too, took over, that he made everybody cut the ribs out, you know. Oh, man. Yeah. Highlights. Uh, definitely several highlights in the book for me were, were some of the crazy stuff you guys did with each other. You know, um, but, you know, starting off here, you know, the book kind of it bounces around a little bit. It's not really necessarily a, a completely linear story, but you do start off talking about your own parents. 
how hard was it for you to recollect all that stuff and, and be so honest about what your childhood was like? It was, it wasn't, it was hard. I didn't know if I was going to put it in or not, but I said, you know, I'm going to put everything in. So, you know, my dad died when I was 12 years old. And then I left Nova Scotia at 14 and went to Toronto and everything started from there. Yeah. But it wasn't too hard to talk about like, you know, uh, my mother really loved me. My dad did too. And I think the last word you said was take care of me. That's my mother told me. And I had a great mother. She was a hardworking woman. And she got a boyfriend, and I didn't care much for him, and he didn't care much for me. You know, he thought I was like a piece of luggage hanging around. So I said the best best for me to go and, and you know, do what I had to do. So, but, uh, you know, I, I do miss him. And, uh, I, you know, they're my family, my parents. I'm always going to remember them. Yeah. And, you know, you did. You left the, the home at such a young age. I think it was like 14, you said. You took off to Toronto. Like, you know, what did you learn having to, to go face the world at such a young age like you did? I had to learn how to survive. That was the first thing. And when I got to Toronto, I, got, I went and got a job at, uh, at the car wash for 90 cents an hour. But you got paid every day. Yeah. So I always had a few dollars in my pocket. Uh, I went to try to train in that Trinity Recreation Center because you didn't have to pay. It was just a, a dump of the gym, but at least it was a gym. And then when I got started making money, I joined the YMCA for seven bucks a month. And that's when I took training series and started boxing and trying to figure, get in the wrestling, how I was going to get in it and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, you talk about your time as a boxer and I mean, you've got some famous boxing friends, George Foreman, Muhammad Ali. I mean, what were these relationships yeah. like? Why do you think you bonded so quickly with the, with these guys? I don't know. I met uh, Muhammad Ali in Toronto when he was still Cassius Clay. He was getting ready to fight George Vella. Yeah. And I went down to Sully Sullivan's gym because I knew Sully Sullivan. And, I, you know, I was messing around boxing a little bit. And uh, we got to talking and then it was just like we knew each other for 50 years. <laughs> and then we clicked, you know. And then when I was in California, I met George Foreman. He was getting ready to fight. with actually sparred with him because he was getting ready to fight Joe Frazier for the world's title. And he lived in Oakland and I lived like three miles away in Hayward. He used to knock on my door and we'd go running in the mornings. So I got to know him real well. Man. But I just had that urge. I had that wrestling in my system. Man, that's so crazy. And I, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. And I, didn't, uh, I didn't understand why of all the blacks or whites or anybody in Canada that I became a professional wrestler. Then I went back and I talked to one of my family and they said that my uncle from years ago used to wrestle uh, in the carnival. Uh, wrestle guy uh, out of the crowd to invite him in the ring and if you could stay 10 minutes with him, you got five bucks or something like that. And what I heard that, you know, nobody's ever beat him. You know, because so, I, I often <laughs> wonder why of all the people, especially the Afro-Canadians or whatever you want to call us, uh, why I was the only one that really went on to make something in the wrestling business, you know, being Canadian. Man, it's crazy because, like, you talk about your carnival roots, and you, you know, I've read quite a few wrestling books in my time. You did something that I've never seen, and you give you give away how to speak Carney in the book. Like, you tell people how to do it. That was that's so like you burned the curtain down there. I mean, were you nervous? Well, no, I didn't burn the curtain. I let the the people already knew they just wanted to be. We called them marks. Nowadays, you call them smart marks. Sure. You know, and. uh we just learned to, to, to talk it. And uh, I just put in the book what I thought was, you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly. I didn't, you know, 
pulling punches, a lot of things I didn't put in the book that I should have, but I didn't want to get too deep, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, and you talk about, you know, your training here and coming in and how, you know, it's interesting because reading about how you were trained and, and brought into the business, it's really different than how wrestlers are trained and brought into the business now. And a lot of the secrets of the business were held back from you early on, it sounds like. Do you wish there was still more of oh. that in professional wrestling? I'm sorry? I said, do you, do you wish that more secrets were held back from wrestlers who were getting into the business? Or are you fine with how open it, everything is now? I'm fine with it with with them, but uh, what they're doing. But in my day, it was a, a lot different. And I think they really liked a lot, a lot of too much showmanship in it today than in our day. And I mean, in our day, they didn't even smart me up. I went to Calgary, Sue Hart's dungeon. I got stretched. He broke a blood vessel in my eye. I, I kept going back and he respected that. And and we learned, and you know, we were a bond. We were professional wrestlers. But nowadays, you can take a kid 160 pounds and pay $200 a month and go to a wrestling school, and you're a professional wrestler. Yeah. And and what was that process like for you when you went from? Because you know, you talk about how you're getting stretched and put through all the rigors and everything like that. But at a certain point, the the levy has to break, and and you know what's going on here. What was that process like of really fully starting to understand? the business of professional wrestling. Well, too. they made, first, first of all, they didn't smarten you up because they made you respect and appreciate the business. Right. Stu Hart did, and I owe a lot of credit to him. And after he's seen, uh, I mean, I seen them take them retired football players from Calgary and Vancouver and come down and they thought they were big and tough and he'd make them pass out. And he'd take them to the extreme where he'd break something, but he wouldn't, but they wouldn't come back. And I, I went back because I figured, what else am I going to do? Get a job driving a truck or something? <laughs> and I kept going back. But they made you respect the business, which I think today it has no respect in it. And, and they draw fantastic. I mean, they draw millions and millions of people. Uh, but how long is it going to last? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we get back to that here in a little bit, too, when we, we talk about the roads. Um, but, you know, one of the things also, and another theme that comes up, like, consistently through the book is how how you wanted to be different and how you didn't want to be like a lot of the other black wrestlers that were stereotyped at the time. Can you talk a little bit a bit about how... Yeah, I didn't wrestling... want... Uh, yeah. When I went to Tennessee, they had them stereotyped. When I, when I wrestled, I always considered myself an athlete and a wrestler, even though it was a work, but I kept myself in shape, kept my body in shape, and I worked out every day and I trained. And I went down there, they had them on TV, eating watermelon, fried chicken, then the uh, when they lost their TV because they took this black guy and a couple of wrestlers held him in the ring and they poured a, a honey all over him. Then they cut a pillow and put the feathers all on him. And then they lit the match like they were going to tire and fed him. I wasn't going to play that game. You know, I wasn't no Uncle Tom and I never was going to be. But then, then they didn't have no choice. It was either that or they weren't going to use him. Yeah. And, you know, you talk. I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just let them know that I don't play that game. Yeah, and you know, you I came in as an athlete, and I'm going to leave as an athlete, whether it's today, six months from now, or two months. And that's when I became the first black Southern heavyweight champ they ever had. Yeah, and, and you talk, you know, especially about Ole Anderson, you know, and how he used the N word one time in a shouting match with you, and you heard him use it again down the road. You know, was, was he uh, the exception to the rule, or was that kind of blatant racism something you, that was common for you in this? That situation? was him. He, he was probably the biggest racist. Races in, in the wrestling business. Yeah. You know, but he would let you know. You know, he didn't like me. I didn't like him. 
know, he called me names, I called him names, but he never threw any punches. You know, a couple of times in the ring, he tried to get stiff with me, but I found out it didn't work because I, I stood my ground. If you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me for real, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. I just he, he was not a well-liked person in this business. I'm not knocking him or anything like that because I heard he was in a wheelchair now and everything. So, you know, I wish him nothing but the best, but he was just a funny, funny guy. He wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Well, understandable. He doesn't sound like it. Sounds like he was a real dick. Right. <laughs> so... Yeah, he was. 14 years. Um, well, you know, it was fun, too, because the book, you know, again, I, I don't want to give away too many of the stories and stuff like that. I'm just trying to take a 10,000, you know, foot view of this thing here. You talk a lot about the different territories that you, you moved around in. You know, how different was the, the system that you came up in as compared to what we now know is like are considered to be the independent pro wrestling scene? Okay, well, the system when I came up is every territory, you had to have a black, a white. Uh, it's like if you went to Texas, you had to have one, somebody that was a cowboy and if you, or, or one that was from Mexico, you know. So, and there wasn't that many Afro-Americans in the business at the time. So I moved around a lot, but every time I moved around, I made money. You know, they brought me in just not as a stereotype. And I said, if you're going to do something with me, I'll come in. But I'm not going to come in and work opening match, and you guys are going to beat me every night. That's not going to happen. And they said, no, 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 that's not what we got in mind. We need you. Because I was in an area where there wasn't that many blacks in the business. So I could pretty much call my own shot. Yeah. And, and you talk about one of my favorite parts of the book, too, is when you talk about going to Japan for the first time, uh, getting to work heel there, the respect you were shown. But you also noted how... It kind of it wasn't the same way when Japanese wrestlers would come to the states. They didn't get the same kind of respect you you saw over no, there. No, they never give the Japanese any respect when they came over here. But you went over there, they treated us like gold. They take us out every night to the steakhouse, uh, uh, buys the beers, or we drank or whatever we wanted. They they treated us great when we when we left. They they give us a bonus. They would give you a set of pearls. They give you a suitcase. They give you a sweatsuit. And they say, "Here's a set of pearls for your wife or your girlfriend." You know, they treat us with great respect. Yeah, and and why do but you? But when the Japanese, but when the Japanese came over here, it was a whole new different story. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it still kind of feels like that. I feel like the American audience still is struggling to figure out to or completely embrace Japanese wrestling and culture. I mean, it, it's been better here in the past couple of years, but you still see guys like Shinsuke come to WWE and they don't really connect. You know. Yeah, no, that people go back, I guess, to the war or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, you know, you got to walk on your toes and walk frontwards, not on your heels and go backwards. But when I, I seen that over here, I seen some, I worked with guys in Japan that were champions, and they came over here for six months or a year, and they treated them like garbage. Um, now, you said in the, in the, in the book uh, that you weren't a big fan of Lucha Libre, uh, but you did really like the Japanese style. Why, why were you never taken by Lucha? Why was I never taken? Yeah, why did you never take to, to Lucha Libre? It, was, it seemed like you, that was something you noted, and I just kind of want to ask you about that. There was, no, it was that I had my own mind made up. I was going to do my own thing. I wasn't going to uh, copy from this guy or copy from that guy. I was... You know, I, I went down to the gym by myself many times and practiced, and I put punching bags down. I learned how to flip over them, land on my feet. I went to the, uh, to the swimming pool, got on the diving board, learned how to do backflips and go in the water on my feet. Then I did all that in the ring. Yeah. So their style, well, first of all, they work on the wrong side. They say we work on the wrong side. They do everything from the right-hand right side. We do it from the left. 
But, you know, their cell was all flying. Nobody sold nothing. And, and I was partners with Mil Mosqueras. We were champions for about a year in Los Angeles. Yeah. And we got over good because we had two different styles. You know, mm-hmm. the people respected his style when he was in the ring. And when I came in, they respected mine. Man. Uh, well, uh, kind of jumping around here a little bit as well. Um, obviously, you and Peter Maivia, you tagged together. You were friends. Talk a little, uh, talk to me and the listeners a little bit about what Peter's reaction was when he found out that you were dating his daughter. He didn't. He didn't like it at first because he knew that he, wrestlers had uh, girlfriends in every town, you know, and he didn't want his daughter to be in that position. But he found he he adapted to it. He caught on when he found out that that we were in love and I wasn't running around on her. And we ended up uh, getting married, and uh, me and him became the best of friends. We traveled together, we drank together, partied together, and wrestled together. Man, that's a good relationship. A lot of people would be envious of that with their father-in-law. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot more, yeah. But, yeah. What you did know, it... me and him, uh, yeah. one thing that bothered me, he was in Texas, and he was a Texas champion. I was in California, and he called me to come because he wanted to be uh, – near his daughter and, and his grandson, Dwayne. And I said, okay. So I went into Texas and I stayed a week and he was a champion. So the second week they took the belt from him and then the third week they give it to me. And I kind of felt awkward about that, you know. Yeah, but it didn't seem it didn't bother him a bit, you know. Sure. Um, well, you know, uh, what are, uh, one of the things you write about later in the book was, uh, you know, Peter's final moment there. What did it, what did it mean for you to have him tell you that he loved you right before he passed away. It, uh, I can't describe it because I broke up with goosebumps and cold chills because he was laying there dying. And he said, you know, I want to see you alive no more. And I, I told him, yeah, I know. Because I went to see him before. Uh, I was in Oregon and I went to see him before he passed when he was in the hospital with cancer. And he said, take care of of my wife and my daughter and grandson. I said, I will. And then I was, I left and two weeks later, I went back to Portland. Two weeks later, he passed. But my wife and boy went back for the funeral. I didn't want to go back and see him after he passed away because he wouldn't know if I was there or whatever. And I wanted to see him while he was still living. And he, he still, it was, he still had his mind, you know, together. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your your son, Dwayne The Rock, very famous man, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You talk about how when he was a kid, he obviously like really took to you and the wrestling stuff. But you know, you were kind of hopeful he wouldn't become a wrestler. Why? Why were you hopeful that he would maybe pick a different route? Because I didn't want him to go through what I had to go through. I didn't like he said later, Dad. You were a pioneer. You paved the roads for other wrestlers, mostly the blacks. So, you know. But he said, you paid the road. He said, I don't think I could have done it. I said, yeah, you could if you had no choice. I didn't have a choice. So I kind of discouraged him. I didn't know there was going to be such a big change like it is now, you know. Yeah. And, you know. But I said, okay, I'll train you, but I'll train you 150%. And then do it. And I, I trained him, and the rest is history. What were some of the things that he took quickly to, and what were some of the stuff that was harder for him to understand? I don't think there was anything harder because he grew up in the wrestling business. And uh, when the VCR space first came out with the tapes, he he would uh, we set up a camera and he's sitting in the 
in his bedroom. He'd do interviews and he'd talk about, I'm Hulk Hogan, I'm Rocky Johnson, I'm Jimmy Snuka. And then every night we'd hear crash, we'd go in the room. He'd be on the dresser doing backflips from the dresser to the bed, breaking the bed every night. So I think, I think like you told me, when he was in football, and, uh, you know, and he won the national championship and that. And like he said he later on, he told me that he just used that as stepping stone to get where he wanted to go, make his first step and get a college education. And that's what he did. Yeah. And, you know, can you uh, just just to kind of wrap up one, one more thing about him? You know, one of the things I thought that you wrote about and were very transparent about was like, now that he's so super famous, you have like a million friends, and all these people think that they can just like ask things. Oh yeah, of I you got and friends. Dwayne. No, I don't even know. <laughs> and I get them on the internet. I, I get there, they're either texting me or Sheila uh, saying, "You don't remember me, but I did this." And everybody's got a business proposal, and all it takes is fifty thousand. All it takes is a hundred thousand, and we can make a million bucks. You know, I so said, "Well, I got a million bucks, so I, I don't need to go into anything because half of them I don't know who I'm talking to." <laughs> That's funny. Um, I have him. Uh, she, I have him, especially Sheila, my wife. She has him where they're, where they're calling saying, well, he don't remember me, but I'm his kid from 40 years ago, stuff like that, you know. Well, I'm, I used to be his girlfriend. And, and they still do that today. They'll call her and tell her, well, I'm his girlfriend. I went out with him 30 years ago. Maybe they did. I don't know. But why, but why are you bringing it up now, you know? Man, the shamelessness of people. I'll never, uh, I'll never, uh, I'll never be surprised. Under- I guess, you know. Yeah, right. I'll never understand it either. Um. Well, I want to ask you a little bit here. You know, obviously, it's a big uh, time right now in pro wrestling. There's like a big, you know, they're calling it a war that's about to shape up here with the sons of Vince McMahon Senior and Dusty or Dusty Rhodes. Their kids going head to head here. Um. What was what was it like working with? Let's start with Dusty Rhodes here. What was it like working with Dusty? And are you surprised to see his son picking up the torch and running the way he has in the business? No, I'm not. And it was great working with Dusty. We were tag team champions in Florida, and we switched back and forth to Florida heavyweight belt and all that. And now that his son got a chance with this elite wrestling, and I think they start next Wednesday, and they've got the capital and everything. The point is, it's like I, I had talked with them, and I probably could have worked for him, you know, teaching psychology and that, but I'm not interested anymore. But the point is, no matter how much money you got, if you ain't got talent, you're not going to draw. But they're smart enough that they're getting these independents and they'll get over in the school where they're going to develop their own talent. Yeah. What do you... So I, I think I think it's, it's going to be good, the wrestling war, good. because I think it's going to be good for the guys, but I think a lot of them are going to jump ship from WWE. Um, one of the things I was definitely noticing as well when I was reading your book, you talk intimately about your relationships with uh, the different promoters that you worked for. For you, what what makes for a good wrestling promoter? A good wrestling promoter is one that treats you with respect and treats you as a human being. Now, I worked for promoters that I couldn't stand. I worked for promoters that couldn't stand me, but they knew they put my name up there. I would sell out for them, you know. Yeah. Rory Shire says, with Bearcat Wright, he said, I couldn't stand him, but I knew I didn't have to 
to uh, sleep with him. I didn't have to ride with him. I didn't have to eat with him. And all I had to do was put his name up there, and he'd automatically sell sell the cow pedals out, which hold 20,000 people. Yeah. So to me, a good promoter is one that will treat you with respect, give you respect, and you also give it in return. You know, that don't mean you got to go eat with him or you got to go visit him or, or stuff like that. A lot of promoters, like with Vince, I've heard, he'll tell guys, I can make anybody in here. I can, in which he can, and I can close, I can fire everybody and open up tomorrow and I'll still draw money, which he probably could. I'm not knocking that. But yeah. to me, that's not a good promoter. you got to have a good rapport with every, whoever you're with. Uh, well, speaking of promoters, you know, I thought a really cool part of the book, too, was you talking about being in the room uh, for a meeting with Vince McMahon Sr. And Vince McMahon Jr. was doing a lot of the talking, and you could kind of tell he was starting to take over uh, more control oh, yeah. within the company. Yeah, He was doing uh, he was doing announcing, man, and we were in the room with the meeting, and, and Vince did all the talking, and you go ask Vince Sr. a question, where I just sat and I listened, and Vince Jr. would answer. You, you could see that he was getting more more and more and more powerful and his dad was probably one of the greatest men I ever met I was there when he passed away and then Vince Jr. took over and he had big dreams which we all did and he proved his dreams he not only took over the wrestling business he said I'm going to take the world and he did are you a fan you know to him I, I went to Africa I went to Arabia I went to Egypt I went to London I went to Ireland I mean you name it I've been there are you a fan of the direction that Vince Jr. took the, the pro wrestling business? No. No? What, what would but be your... I don't, I don't want to get into it, though. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. Then we won't. Uh, all right. Uh, I really kind of I got two little things here I wanted to, to ask you about before we wrap it up. I want to thank you for the time, Rocky. Uh, another cool My part... My pleasure. Another really cool part of the book. You talk about your brief time as a trainer uh, for the WWE and putting together... Your son, The Rock, and Hulk Hogan's infamous WrestleMania 18 match. What was it like helping to put that match together? And as you're putting it together, did you expect it to become this huge, crazy, iconic moment that it has become in professional wrestling? I thought it was because we were in Davie, Florida, and I opened the Wrestling Academy for New York. It's called SmackDown Wrestling Academy. That's why they have SmackDown Tuesday night now. Oh, okay. Because Dwayne went in with that. I had that. We brought Brock Lesnar in. You know, just to sharpen them up. Uh, Dwayne wrestled Hogan in Toronto. Hogan uh, came up for like four or five days. They worked everything out. I knew it was going to be big. I didn't know it was going to be that big. <laughs> but, you know, they had two great athletes, and there was no animosity. There was no, uh, I'm winning, you're winning. They, they did what they thought would draw money, and, and it works. Man, yeah. That was and incredible. Hogan was an icon, and he still is to this day, you know. Yeah, man. And, he had no problem giving my son the belt, you know. Yeah, man, that's that was... that's what you call a true professional. Uh, well, lastly, here, I mean, obviously, you know, you had your big Hall of Fame moment. You know, what was that like for you to to get there, and especially to have your son be the one to induct you like that? It was great, and it was not great. It was great that they acknowledge you that you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They give you a ring, they give you a big plaque, and they give you a. To me, it's a send off. You know, it's over. That's the end. Yeah. You know, but I knew that anyway. That my, my my wrestling was finished. Like I told him, next time you see me, it'll be in a tape on TV. Do you, Do you think that there should be an obligation for Vince or other? I mean, Vince is really the biggest dog in the room when it comes to promoting. Do you think there should be an obligation on his part to do more to help wrestlers once they move past the ring? 
I think he should. But this is uh, this is like any other sport. When you're no more good to them and they can't use you, they'll find somebody else. Like in football, the quarterback or somebody breaks their leg or breaks their arm, the game don't stop. They bring in the second string, third string, fourth string. Well, it's the same in wrestling. When you're going down or you're finished, and uh, they always got a replacement in mind. This is like take football, take baseball. You have backups. You have number one starter. You have number two. You have number three. Well, they it's the same thing in wrestling. They know if you go out and you get hurt, then they got to sit down at the table, put their heads together, and figure a different angle. But wrestling doesn't stop. It still goes on. Maybe it doesn't draw as much. Maybe it takes... It takes time to build somebody up, but they usually cheat, like with me and Dusty Rhodes, it was here, we were partners, we were everything, and, and if I got, had it got hurt, it still went on because he went on as a single. And if he got hurt, they would have pushed me, and they would have pushed somebody in with me. Yeah. You know, so they, they know, you know, you got to say the promoters know the business. Yeah. And the boys are just checkers in our chess and, and uh, pong in the chess game or checkers in the checker game. You move, they move, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if fans want to hear all about that, again, uh, we just gave you a 10,000-foot view of this book. Uh, you are very detailed uh, with some of the funny tricks that promoters played on you and other wrestlers uh, in your time. Right. And uh, if fans want to go find the book, Soul Man, the Rocky Johnson story, it comes out October 15th, 2019. Rocky, I'll let you send us home here. Why do you think people should go buy this book? Yes, uh, they can buy it on, on Amazon. Uh, you can buy it at Barnes & Nobles. I'll be doing uh, autograph signings all through Canada and the United States. You can go on Rocky Johnson, just Rocky Johnson on Facebook. Just You don't have to put .com or nothing, and you can pull it up. Or you can go on Rocky Johnson bellself.com and uh, there won't be, shouldn't be any problem uh, getting the book good All right. morning Orlando Health myself <laughs> Montez Ford this is my partner Angelo Dawg and we are the Street Profits part of the biggest hottest new brand that is streaming live and live exclusively on the USA Network every Wednesday at 8 we're here this morning Orlando Health at the Arnold and we're here to spread our diligence, our energy, our uh, perseverance to these young individuals and present them with awards. Show them. It's awarded. The hard work and the diligence they've been going through, the trials and tribulations they've been going through. We're going to be here, spread the joy, give them awards, give them, let's say, a, a symbol of a token. Of how we feel, how we appreciate them. Low initiation. initiation. How many of these visits have you guys done before, as far as hospital visits? Because I talked to Bianca, and she mentioned that she's never actually done one before. We've actually did. So last year we did uh, Give Kids the World uh, Village uh, out in uh, Disney. We did that last year. We did a fundraiser and raised some money for them, and did that visit as well. Did the uh, veterans hospitals every year during Veterans Day? We go see a veteran. So these hospital visits are kind of. They're, uh, they're bittersweet, uh, but at the same time, they're uplifting when it comes to like the content they're going to see and everyone that's involved. But uh, it's always good to come continue to not only spread good energy, but to get it back. Mm -hmm. so. And Angelo, you've been with uh, NXT for a long time now, but now you're kind of really found your stride uh, with Montez. Um, just what is it like to kind of have this opportunity now where you're kind of getting these big, uh, these big chances 
uh, whether it's visiting children or even on television? Oh, it's a lot of fun, actually. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never thought I would be getting this opportunity at this point in time, but it's been a blessing. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking forward to it every time. Uh, as I said, my boy Montez, my brother right here, me and him, I've been doing this stuff a couple done this a couple times so it's been awesome each and every time we've gone there and put smiles on kids faces and everybody's faces just to you know what I'm saying provide joy around the world provide what, joy um what is it like how do you got what's kind of chemistry like what are some of the in common interests that you guys have what did you bond over like what is it about the two of you that kind of seem to work we get on each other's nerves. Yeah. <laughs> so like get on each other no <laughs> we talk yeah we talk a lot of trash yeah. to each other it's like a lot. Like yeah. text message or uh, Every, everything. everything. Text WhatsApp. message. It, it can be Twitter. It can be Instagram. Yep. It can be WhatsApp. It can be Snapchat. Don't matter. Any type of communication. Stay that talking I can, smack. I can, I can get to them and say some type of smack to them. Like yep. that's what happens. It's all about honesty. You yep. got to be willing to accept it and be like, you know what? I'm gonna make this better. Right. <laughs> and this is uh, this is capping off a big week for NXT with right. uh, the first live on USA Network. You know, you guys are homegrown NXT talent. What did it mean to you to be uh, for that to, to see that happen on Wednesday night? Oh, that was great. What did you guys think of the, the finished product? Oh, it was great. Absolutely, it was, change. It, was it was perfect. It was perfect. Just so it goes back to show like um, everyone from past, present, and future that has also been a part of building that brand and just to see it all come together this past Wednesday and go live. He's been here seven years, I've been here four years. Just to see like everyone like that's been a part of that journey, to see it go live is beautiful. Would you guys consider yourself NXT still, or are you uh, graduating formally to Raw? But that's when we all. That's when we. That's when we started NXT. That's where Street Profits was born. Montez and Angelo Dawkins. That we were born in NXT. That's our home. We homegrown for a reason. We NXT. We was built from like sleep black and gold all day, <laughs> all the time. Like I would. No, we can't do that right now. <laughs> Y'all want to bleed the black and gold? Right no, no. I'm not saying you're actually bleeding, bro. Saying we got black and gold running through our veins, basically. You're not actually cut open and bleeding, man. I know that, but I'm saying, you know what I mean. <laughs> who's, who's been help, helping you kind of on Raw and kind of, you know, NXT is one thing, but now you're you're also on a different platform with Monday Night Raw. Um, was there anyone that kind of helped you with the, because you're getting these a lot of TV time when it comes to, a lot of valuable TV time when it comes to being able to kind of show who you guys are. Right. It's been a collective effort from yeah. everyone from top bottom. Uh, NXT to Raw to SmackDown, like it's been a, a collective group individuals that's been like pretty much helping us out and you know, showing us like the rounds and instructing us on what we should do and how things should be you know conducted and yeah, it's right. just been the all-around collective help and then what helps is like a lot of people that are up there are former NXT guys so like right. obviously we know a bunch of them so like yeah. they're always helping us out and everything and just everybody's been very helpful to us and, just a lot of people been looking how, out for us. How much creative input do you guys get on each each week? I mean, when you're watching what's going on on Raw Live, and then you got to respond to it. Uh, creative wise, I don't know, well, it's pretty much it's just street pop. It's just us, you know. Yeah. Creative wise, is uh, I don't even know if that's something we discuss here. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, it's just been us, like 100. You know, like uh, our delivery. You know, so um, just like any 
profession. If you've been given a task, your job and your profession is to go out there and execute it in your way, your your best version, formal way. And that's what you're doing. Okay. And last question, um, you know, as you're doing these visits, do you kind of remember the first time that a fan came up to you and asked for your autograph or to take a photo with you and just what that meant to you? Uh, yeah. Go, go ahead, man. You remember the first time? I know yeah. you the first time because it was me. Nah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember the first time. It was crazy, um, like coming from college, straight out of college, and going straight to NXT and being there. And then once I kind of started like wrestling a little bit more, a little bit more, like fans would come up and ask for their autographs, and it was just for a minute, I was just like, "Wait, is this really happening?" And then like it was just like starting to get really cool having a lot of fun with it and just like it's been awesome the first time was crazy when that happened i was like oh snap i'm really doing something that's what's up <laughs> all right what about you Michael? uh it's so it's, it's a different experience because like we're so like down to earth humble and we come from humble beginnings and like you said we're homegrown talent so for it happening to us it's like a culture change because we see ourselves as you know individuals just like everyone else but we've been given that platform to as in what we're doing today, just spread positivity across the world. So that's the responsibility we have now. We accepted it. We're happy and we're just extremely blessed. So, all right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show today to talk the news of the past 24 hours. Thank you so much to Rocky Johnson and ECW Press for setting that up again. October 15th, Soul Man, the Rocky Johnson story. Uh, it will be available for you to go buy. Go out, pre-order it right now. I really enjoyed this book, and I think you will too. Uh, also, thank you to Scott Fishman for going uh, out and getting that interview with the Street Profits, and thank you to NXT and WWE for uh, for giving Scott that time there. Hope you all enjoyed that. Um, I don't traditionally at the end of the week on Thursdays announce my guests for Tuesday because like sometimes things can be moving around and all that, uh, but I absolutely know what I'm going to be doing on Tuesday, and I can't wait to, uh, to bring it out uh, for all of you. Uh, next Tuesday, you're going to get to hear from the bad boy Joey Janela, uh, and you are also going to get to hear from Effie. Um, now, the reason I know that I'm going to be releasing these, I'm very excited to be releasing these, is on Monday night of next week, GCW presents their Curtain Call show. It is, of course, uh, September 30th. It is midnight, and everything is turning back into pumpkins. Uh, this is Joey's last official show with GCW, so this is his big curtain call farewell. Uh, Joey talks all about – I already did the interview, so I know what's in it. He talks all about his history with GCW, what that company meant to him, what it's like transitioning to AEW, what we can expect from him, what he thinks of NXT. And then when that interview is over, you're going to get to hear from Effie, and Effie, of course, is a rising star right now. He's been performing more for GCW, and he is going to be one of the talents that's going to be filling that void that Joey leaves at GCW. So really, uh, I'm I'm just I'm ex I'm personally excited for Tuesday's show. I think you guys are gonna like both these interviews a whole lot. And uh, very, it's a historical week. I wanted to give you guys a historical show. I think this one's gonna live up to your expectations. Um, also, if you uh, if you are gonna be around this week, and again, ROH Death Before Dishonor. That's on Friday, Saturday night, the fight of the century. Angry Bagel Guy taking on Dustin Diamond. Celebrity boxing. That's gonna be on fight. I still haven't talked to Raj because he's been in a conference. But I'm hoping we cover it on the site. That's good. That's buzzworthy right there. <laughs> oh, I, I, like I said yesterday, I will be, uh, I will, <laughs> I will go through the effort to find video of this. I hope the bagel guy comes out with like a basket of bagels and he's like throwing them into the crowd, right? Real angry, like. <laughs> anyway, uh, what if he wins? I don't think he is. But what if he wins? Man, if if he wins, 
If he wins, that means that's good. That means we get more. He'll probably want another fight, and we'll find out. You know, maybe Donny Osmond will be the one to step up to the plate next. Who knows? <laughs> maybe Mitt Romney. Oh, Did you ever see the? <laughs> Did you ever see the Mitt Romney Lucha Libre video? <laughs> no, I've seen Bernie Sanders hit a hit a punching bag in a boxing gym, and it came back and hit him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Go search, go just Google it. You can stop. You can go Google it right now if you like. Mitt, Mitt Romney, pro wrestling. Actually, Lucha Libre it was a Lucha event. Uh, I was very impressed with what Mitt did there that day. And he's uh, he put on the tights, man. He put on the trunks. He went he went all in. Mitt Romney did. I was proud of that. I'm very proud of him for that one. Uh, all right. And, uh, of course, Sunday, I'm going to go to Philly. I'll be at New Japan Show at ECW Arena. Uh, um, so check out our social media for all kinds of live on-site coverage. Uh, Justin, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today? Yeah, follow me on social media. I've been all over the Wrestling Inc. Uh, uh, channels. So make sure you subscribe. Leave a comment, as we always say. And, of course, again, next Wednesday, viewing party, AEW versus NXT, 1311 Bar. That's the name of the bar, 1311, on East Carson Street on the south side. Uh, drink specials. Uh, it's free to get in. It's going to be a good time. Like I said, audio will be on AEW, but we'll, it's going to be a blast. We'll, we'll have some fun. We'll do some social media stuff. So watch wrestling history with me and other wrestling fans. Well, there it is, guys. Hey, thank you so much uh, for living this part of history with us. Uh, we will be back next week with three big episodes of The Winkly, a lot more guests. Thank you for tuning in. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.